come with me. Consider for a moment, if you would, worlds beyond your own. Every decision that was on the verge of being a different decision sent ripples throughout everything. Let us consider what could be out there, stories familiar yet far different. Listen to me as I recite these tales, hear me as I spin these yarns. Although I can only tell these stories, I will not, nor cannot, change them. I am the Raycontour. Today's tale comes from Earth 87, a world very similar to your own. The notable differences include slight alterations to worldwide history, occurring circa 1863. Some level of magic more than your own, and of course this story. Let us begin. We begin in a feudal Japanese countryside. Direct your attention to the man riding a black horse through the flowered grass. The man is Kenji Bushida, a former samurai. Bushida Kenji was entrusted with a noble's life to protect her through a trip through bandit country. As fate would have it, they were ambushed by a group of ruffians. Despite the samurai's best efforts, he was unable to prevent the noble's death. In his anger, he slaughtered the outlaws and held the noble as she passed on. He prepared to kill himself, the only way to regain his lost honor. But he was stopped. Holding the tanto he intended to commit seppuku with was a red hand. Attached to that hand, Kenji realized, was an oni. A demon with fang-like tusks and equally sharp horns jutting just beyond its silky white hair. Kenji recoiled and drew his katana. The oni held up its hands, asking peace. Kenji skeptically lowered the sword as it began to speak. Lord Bushida, I am Arashi, a servant of Fujin and Trajin, lords of the wind and storm. I come bearing horrible news. Amatsu Mikeboshi, Kami of the Chaos itself, has found an evil greater than he, and he plans to sacrifice the world of man to it. The Shogun has fallen to his influence. The Court of Heaven has agreed that you will slay the Shogun while they fight the Kami of Chaos. Kenji took this in. The gods had chosen him? A fallen samurai, and they had sent an oni messenger? Since when did the gods align themselves with demons? And yet, Kenji felt no malice from this oni. He considered, for a moment, if this oni was truly a servant of Fujin and Raijin, and it didn't seem like he had much of a choice. But nonetheless, Kenji agreed. A thunderclap boomed as Kenji said this. He jumped and looked around, he turned and saw that the Oni had disappeared, leaving behind a samurai half-mask and his tanto. Kenji crouched down to retrieve the dagger and inspected the mask. It was a macabre effigy in the shape of a half-mask. Sections of a skull and jawbone had been carved into the visage of an Oni's jaws. There was no strap or way to wear it, yet Kenji felt power radiating from the mask. On the inside, the bones were inscribed with old runes Kenji couldn't even recognize. As he picked it up, Kenji heard the demon's voice in his mind. I've been instructed to help you, Bushida-san. But be warned, despite my best efforts, you still deal with a demon. My power can be... intoxicating. With that cryptic warning, Kenji affixed the mask to his belt and mounted his black horse. Kage? He said, I think we might be in over our heads. The horse nickered in response. Kenji swore it sounded like a chuckle. As they rode, the demon elaborated further on his origins. He told the samurai of the god of chaos, rallying an army of demons to fight in his war on the gods. 
Amatsu Mikaboshi was instructed by his new ally to also find a servant in the mortal world. When Kenji asked who that new ally was, he could hear the quivering in the, in the demon's voice as he spoke. He was only called the Kagaboshi. Kenji drew up his collar as he shivered. The silhouette. Arashi continued, only one of our number ever laid eyes on the Kagaboshi. He only described it as a shadow that Amatsu Mikaboshi feared. Not long after that only collapsed and he never rose again. Arashi explained that he grew too fearful to follow the Kami of Chaos any further. Eventually he slipped out of the underworld and traveled to the gods. He met the Kami of Winds and the Kami of Storms and begged them to help him fight this threat. He entered their servitude and here they were now. Kenji told Arashi of his own story. Growing up in the schools of the samurai, his parents' death, his failure to protect the noblewoman, his attempted suicide, meeting Arashi, here they were. He didn't go into much detail. Kenji didn't enjoy talking about himself. Arashi seemed to sense this and didn't ask any further. It rode in silence until an arrow thudded into a tree. It stabbed into a tree trunk, missing Kenji's head by centimeters. It shuddered and then slowed to a stop. Kenji pulled Kage to a stop and scanned around him. He heard Arashi hiss at him. The mask! Kenji pulled the bones over his own face and felt it latch onto him. He felt his senses heighten as he looked again. This time he saw the arrow shooting straight for his head. He felt Arashi place his sword in front of the arrow, splitting it down the middle. Kenji felt himself smile beneath the bones. He leapt up from Kage and soared before the archer. The archer, who was terrified in his final moments by this bone demon who jumped 20 meters to attack him, crumpled beneath Kenji's weight as they collided. Kenji rolled and returned to his feet. Another attacker knocked the sword from his hands. Before Kenji could draw either of the, the smaller samurai swords he carried, he saw two ethereal arms that appeared to be made of thunderclouds holding on to scythes attached to chains that materialize. Kurosagamas tore into the second attacker. Kenji stared at the arms as they slowly dissipated. Kenji tried to pull the mask from his face. It resisted him, fighting his attempts to remove it, but eventually he won out. Kenji mounted Kage and continued the ride. It dawned on Kenji that he had no idea where the horse was going, but Arashi assured him they were on the right path. Later, Arashi asked him, Do you know the story of the Shogun, Kenji? Kenji pottered, I'm afraid not, at least not terribly accurately. Arashi began the story of how the shogun came to power. Takanashi Aku was the fifth child in the family of the previous shogun, Takanashi Shon. The boy grew up and became angry, and eventually took up his father's sword and slayed his family. He seized the power of office and has ruled with an iron fist ever since. He's taken great measures to be certain that the people of Japan, nor the traders that arrived when the country recently opened its borders, didn't view him as anything but a god in mortal form. But he left behind the manor his family had lived in, before moving his residence to the Shogun's palace. In there lies a peace needed to strike down the corrupt ruler. Not much later, Kenji arrived at an old, decrepit house. It was large, but was well hidden by trees and overgrowth. The large doors creaked open as Kenji pushed against them. One sagged under the weight of age as Kenji slipped inside. His vision adjusted slowly, but he understood what he was seeing, a ruin that had been neglected after the family was slaughtered. He walked through carefully. He felt like an intruder, which he was to an extent, but he also needed to get through this house. Eventually, he found it. There was a sword stabbed into the ground and still stained with blood. Kenji could see the insignia of Clan Takanashi still visible on the handle. 
The symbol of three birds on a tree branch looked like a moment of peace among the death around the sword. Beneath it were four mounds. Someone had, perhaps someone had come to bury the family. Perhaps the Shogun himself. Kenji shook his head and reached out to the sword. His hands shook as he wrapped his hands around the handle. He heard the demon murmur quietly in his mind, There's power in blood. Kenji could almost hear the spirits wailing as he freed the old sword. Kenji found the discarded scabbard for the katana. It was covered in cobwebs and stained by the years. He sheathed it and added it to his belt with his own katana and tanto. But before he left the manor, he returned to the mounds. He kneeled before them. The scene reminded him all too well of his own family's deaths. Kenji was seven at the time. He'd been training in swordplay with his father and had been told off for failing to improve. Kenji had been sent to his room and he'd cried himself to sleep that night. Yet he was awoken. Was it a branch snapping, a bird calling, a sixth sense? He had never decided what it had been. But he creeped out of his room and out of the house, pushing past the shutter door, and saw bandits attacking the villagers. Kenji saw his father, his black armor glinting and his spider-themed mask drenched in blood. But he was stabbed in the back. Kenji's father called out to him, but Kenji couldn't bring himself to rush to meet him. Kenji watched as a bandit pushed a sword through his father's heart. Kenji hid himself, shivering and quaking, but completely silent, till the next morning when a samurai found him. He was taken in by his uncle and aunt. Kenji inherited his father's armor, but couldn't bring himself to look at it, much less wear it. He kept it and his father's swords in a sheath beneath its home, locked up in a chest beneath the floorboard. He never knew what had happened to his mother. As Kenji knelt and reflected, he bowed to the mounds. Hold a moment, Bushida. Why are there four mounds? Kenji opened his eyes and looked again. Perhaps the husband and wife were buried together? Perhaps. The demon sounded unnerved, and Kenji felt that way too. He reluctantly stood and eased back out the same way he cantered. When he returned to Kage, he saw a stranger sitting there, petting his mane. Who are you? he asked. The stranger turned to look at him, or at least he turned. He wore a blindfold around his face, obscuring his eyes. On his shoulder perched a white crow. There was a quiver of arrows and a crossbow on his back, and he leaned against a staff topped with cherry blossoms. Call me Washi. Okay, Washi, why are you here? The, old, the Eightfold Path led me here. I believe I am meant to help you, Bushida Kenji. Kenji, I sense no wrongdoing from him. Even if he is a traitor, I suspect he's blind. I have faith that we could fight him if necessary. Kenji nodded while she exhaled. Excellent. I'm pleased to make your acquaintance, Arashi. After a further introduction, the duo learned that Washi was a monk who had gone blind by a freak accident, but believed it was an act of fate to better allow him to reach Nirvana. He called out to a gray horse he called Chiori, mounted it, and followed Kenji. How Washi was able to ride a horse while blind, Kenji had no feasible idea. Arashi mused that he was some kind of yokai, but gave no further thoughts. They rode, talking only occasionally, but they steady grew nearer to the shogun's palace. Kenji began to formulate how he could even try to fight someone who would be that well-guarded and yielded no ideas. Arashi assured him they'd be able to, but Kenji had his doubts. 
while she didn't talk much, but was friendly enough, full of small bits of Buddhist wisdom. Kenji still couldn't shake the feeling that something was off about Washi, but he couldn't figure out what. They grew about a day's ride from the palace. As they drew towards noon, Kenji called a stop. The pair dismounted and laid out their travel provisions. Washi's bag was laden with ingredients for a soup of some kind, which left Kenji to scope out the area for potential threats. He hummed a tune he learned from his mother and felt a lump in his throat when he realized that. He kept walking, but saw movement. A deer dashed away from him. Kenji watched its small run away. Then he spotted a small building. It was mostly wood, but it appeared very old. But it was still in decent condition. He could see the door was firmly closed and the shutters were drawn. It felt wrong to call it a house. A shed would be more accurate. Kenji crouched down. His hands dropped to his sword and the mask. He listened as astutely as he could. Nothing. Not even a bird calling. He stood back up and eased out of the forest, returning to Washi, preparing their soup. They ate in silence. Kenji was unable to sit peacefully. He felt like something was watching him. Washi didn't share these concerns, even when Kenji told him of the house. He laid down on the grass and seemed to fall asleep immediately. Kenji rolled his eyes at his companion and once again patrolled the perimeter. His hand tightly gripped the handle of his katana as he paced. There, a branch snapped. He drew his sword and held the mask in his other hand. After a moment of silence, he slid the demon's face over his own. Seeing through heightened eyes, Kenji observed a deer. No, it was the same deer from before. There was an intelligent gleam in its eyes, and now seeing through the demon's own eyes, he saw an aura surrounding the creature. He unsheathed his katana and lunged forward. The deer leapt backwards and stood up. Suddenly, in its place was a striking snake. Kenji was too committed to the strike and unable to cut the snake down fast enough. Right before the snake could reach him, another arm, once again made from thunderclouds, grabbed it by the neck and held it. It wreathed and hissed in its grip, but Kenji nor Arashi refused to lessen the hold. Finally, the snake relented and changed shape into a man. While Kenji still held him, an arrow thudded into a nearby tree. Washi emerged with another arrow already loaded into his crossbow, trained on the shapeshifter. Kenji, do you know who this is? Washi sounded far away to Kenji. He could tell this was the demon's power affecting him. Through his own willpower, he fought back to his own mind. No, Washi, I don't. Who is this? This is Anzen, the Shogun's enforcer and a sorcerer. Kenji could feel the demon straining against him, eager to lash out and kill the advisor. He was gritting his teeth not to just snap the man's neck now and get it over with, but it was taking all he had. He knew Washi was interrogating Anzen, but he couldn't hear them over his own internal struggle. At some point, Arashi broke free of Kenji's reining in and reached out to bite at Anzen. Kenji could hear cracking as the mask's fangs shifted and parted to reveal its teeth and prepare to devour the sorcerer. All Kenji could hear was Washi calling out before it all went dark. Kenji's eyes opened inside a solid black room. It reminded him of the forest he'd explored as a child at night. So dark that he couldn't see his hand before his eyes. The only light came from a throne. The chair was so brilliantly white it hurt his eyes to look at. He realized that someone was sitting upon the throne. It was the noble, the one he'd failed to protect. Somehow, she was here. The Kogeboshi, he heard Arashi whisper. Kenji saw that the noble was missing her eyes. In their place were just two hollow sockets. 
Bushida Kenji. Takaboshi's voice was light, as though Kenji had just met with an old friend. You really should take the Shogun's place. Sacrifice this world to me and help me end this miserable excuse for fate. The noble held out her hands, as though about to embrace Kenji. Kenji called out, I've already sided with the gods. I will not fail. The noble's face split open in a jagged smile of far too many teeth. Blood began to cover her. Kenji recoiled. In a flash, the noble was gone, replaced by an eyeless Kenji. Won't fail. Kenji, your track record isn't great. I mean, you failed both of your parents, this noblewoman, and now you're about to fail yourself by consuming the shogun's advisor. Why not just cut your losses? Kenji could feel the words cutting into him, trying to trick him into changing sides, yet he couldn't. He'd promised the kami. But even more importantly, he'd promised himself. This quest was all he had anymore. He couldn't complete this, then... Then in Kenji's mind, his honor and his soul would be lost for good. No, I won't falter! Kenji roared as he threw a kunai at the false version of himself. The fake Kenji threw back its head and laughed. A cruel, hateful sound that bounced throughout the room. Kenji felt the laugh overtake him, then returned to the real world. He saw Unzen's body beneath him. The mask's jaws had unhinged and he was preparing to consume the corpse. Kenji stopped himself and knelt while she rushed over and asked what had happened. Kenji explained Arashi breaking his mental hold, falling into the Kageboshi's realm, then Arashi preparing to consume Anzen to gain his power. It was evident that Anzen was dead, but Kenji couldn't bring himself to consume another person. He wasn't even sure what Arashi was going to eat, the body, heart, the soul, but he didn't like any of them and hoped desperately it would never come to that. He felt dejected and defeated as the mask fell off. You know, that's not a terrible idea. What? You're not eating him, but Anzen can't grant you something. What's that? Why, well, she held up the robes Anzen was wearing. A disguise. Kenji nodded as he understood the details, then pulled the robes over his own clothes. The Imperial Guards were confused, but were ready to believe that the Shogun's advisor had found the monk the Shogun had requested the presence of. Although... They couldn't quite remember the shogun requesting a monk, but Anzen-san's harsh speech left little room to interpret. They led him through the checkpoint with very little resistance. Kenji and Washi looked up at the shogun's palace. They had formulated a plan. Washi would sneak inside and create a distraction while Kenji would sneak inside and kill the shogun. After preparation, Washi jumped up from his cover and made his way in front of the standing guards. He racked an arrow into his crossbow and shot it into the ground. It exploded in a blue mist, and the passerby were lost to the cloud. Kenji pulled the mask on and began climbing up the wall with a combination of Arashi's scythes and his bare hands. After making a decent distance, he turned back around. He saw the guards, terrified, turning their weapons on each other or enemies that weren't there, while she was among the crowd, calling out encouragement and dancing among the screaming. It occurred to Kenji that while she might not be as blind as he said he was, but one thing at a time. With a smirk at the thought of the blind yokai, he continued pulling and climbing up the side of the castle. He pulled himself through a terrace just below the very top. He glanced around the room, seeing several odds and ends that looked to serve no purpose. He deduced this was Anzen's room. 
or at least it used to be. He pulled the disguise a little tighter, then ventured into the Shogun's private quarters. The Shogun leaned against the banister of his terrace, watching as the guards continued to act like fools. Advisor, he said, noticing Kenji. Go down there and kill them. Kenji walked closer, and the Shogun continued to just stare down. He saw an arrow fly towards the Shogun, but just as it would pierce his face, the railing of the balcony bent and twisted up to catch the projectile. He then turned. Advisor! Kenji threw the robes off and drew the Shogun's family sword. He looked shocked and sputtered for a few moments. Kenji took this opportunity to try to take a slice, but the floor rose up and blocked the attack. Kenji redoubled his efforts and sliced through the wall to find the Emperor manipulating the palace to carry him away. Using Arashi's kirisagamas and a grim determination, he set about swinging and climbing his way to follow the Shogun. Several times he had to dodge the pieces of the castle, throwing themselves at him. Finally, Kenji crawled to the highest peak of the castle. The Shogun had run out of the structure to manipulate. Using the last possible piece before it all went down, he called a sword to his hand to clash with Kenji's. The Shogun was shocked to see the Ronin wielding the sword of Clan Takanashi. The swords crossed and over and over, sparks flew as they met. Kenji saw the rage in the Shogun's eyes, hate and fear at what Kenji could cause. In a masterful display of skill, the Shogun knocked the family sword from his hands. Kenji jumped backwards, narrowly avoiding falling from the edge. The Shogun spun his sword and prepared to cut the Ronin down. Kenji threw a kunai to disorient the Shogun. He picked up the sword and unsheathed his own. Kenji remembered his father's teachings. Kazumasa had told Kenji that dual wielding was a dangerous art, made worth only by master swordsmen. But this was Kenji's only plan, so he needed to be a master. Shogun readied his sword. Kenji pulled the mask over his face. He met the Shogun's gaze. Kenji Bushida versus Aku Takanashi. A duel for the fate of Japan and the whole world. The Shogun twitched. Kenji seized the chance and slashed at Aku. One of the swords met its mark and cut open Aku's thigh. A responding slash, a parry, a taunt, a challenge, clash, sparks. The sounds of two duelers who have what feels like nothing to gain and everything to lose. As the fight raged on, Kenji realized that he would soon be overtaken. He called on Arashi, hoping for an answer. Kenji felt the other presence in his soul. In addition to the two arms he'd already known about, another two sprouted from beneath his own. He could no longer feel the mask. Through his blackened eyes, he could see tusks jutting out from his mouth and feel the weight of the horns on his forehead. In two hands, there were katanas. In another two, scythes attached to chains. In the last pair, they held a bag that twitched and wreathed as though it held something inside. Around Kenji's body crackled small drum-like orbs carved from lightning. The demon that now stood in front of the shogun stared down at him. Aku felt as though he was face to face with a kami. He readied once more, but he was outskilled now. Every time he attempted to cut or strike at Kenji, he felt his sword get deflected. Sometimes it was by a katana, other times it was the scythes. Once even the bag was pulled open and a powerful gust of wind knocked him over. Lightning coated Kenji's swords and struck down the shogun. The shogun tried to plead with Kenji, who returned to his human form except for the mask still over his mouth. Shogun pleaded. He could do. He could restore his honor. He could do anything. Kenji felt no temptation, nor sympathy. He plunged the family katana through the ruler's chest. He knelt down and said, In the name of the storm and the wind, I bind you to this sword, so you may enter the next life in chains. 
May your death benefit all beings. The shogun screamed as his soul was ripped from his body by an electrically charged wind. Then, Kenji began his trip down. Years later, Washi had taken over as shogun. Some people claimed that he was Aku's brother. Others still believed that he was a yokai brought forth by the gods to lead humanity to a brighter future. But most of Japan just believed him to be a wise man who had taken the throne. Whatever the case, he proved much better than his predecessor. He met Kenji once when he turned in a bounty. Washi offered to restore his samurai title, to which he refused. Kenji said that his life as a ronin had served him far better than a samurai. But, should he be needed, he would be there. Kenji then slipped the mask over his face and rode off. Washi never did see Kenji Bushida ever again. But as for the ronin himself, his story isn't yet over. The Kagaboshi assured him of that in a cryptic dream, but that, of course, is a story for another day. That, my friend, is all for today. Bushida-san did not regain his honor, but he did regain his peace. He and the Oni made a name for themselves, keeping Japan free from bandits and demons alike. Although, I do believe he has another story worthy of our time. I hope you'll join me again. As always, I've been the Raycontour. You've been my guest. And this has been my Compendium of Many Worlds. I'll see you next time.